0: So we've had several visitors that I've talked to over the last few weeks, and every day they've come. They said, do you ever preach? And I go, no, I don't. Um, I just have had the opportunity over the last few weeks to have several days where people have been able to come and share their gifts. And this morning is no different, but this morning we actually have a special gift because it's coming all the way from Thailand. So um, if you guys have uh, been with us for any amount of time, you know, over the last few years, we've uh, made a partnership with Doc and Zena. Can you both stand up? Yeah. yeah. Face. Yes. Yes. I don't know what that is, but i do it too. All right. Um, but uh, it has been an absolute joy over the years to get to know them. Uh, yesterday, we had our women's brunch, and uh, Zena shared and did a fantastic job. Uh, and Doc has been the one who has shared most of the times that they've come. But this morning, we get the privilege to hear Zena come and share with us. So, Zena, come on up. Um, and she's going to bring uh, just a, a real strong Mother's Day word. Um, how long have you guys been in Thailand now?
1: 14 years. 14
0: years. What an awesome commitment you guys have made. And I definitely honor that and and want you to know you're doing a fantastic job and i know ministry is tough and one of those sometimes those moments when you feel like giving up i just want to encourage you this morning keep going keep going god's right around the corner he's right around the corner you know what i'm saying so anyway excited here you go
1: thanks pastor i am so happy to be here with you today from exotic thailand It is amazing where we live, and God has blessed us with a a very fruitful ministry over there. And I was really happy to be able to serve the ladies yesterday through my health ministry called I Am Woman. And um, it was really great to hear the responses and the feedback that the ladies had to give me. I will be honest with you this morning, I'm a bit emotional um, because this is, I think, my first Mother's Day in about 14 years to be with my daughter's. Um, my son's not here, but my eldest daughter, um, said, we're going to do a pamper day for you. And then, uh, we go to this beautiful spa and they brought us in some lemon water and I drank that like nobody's business. I drank it right away. And I told my daughter, my goodness, I really wish I could get some more water. When the girl comes in, I'll ask her, may I have more water? And then all of a sudden this girl comes in and she smiles at me and I was getting ready to say, oh, may I have water? And it was my youngest daughter that had flown in from California and surprised me. So I'm a bit emotional today to have them both with me here to worship and be here together. So I actually would like to invite the two of you up to join me on the stage today. We're going to get right into the message this morning. So Rosie and Margo, if I can have you both come up and join Mommy. Let's go ahead and just put up that first overhead. So we're talking about the road to perfection. Let me tell you, moms, women, we come in all different shapes and sizes, okay? We have all different kind of images, all different kind of looks, personalities, or what have you. Um, but I will tell you, in the Bible, there are some incredible women of God that are talked about in the Bible. And I've been in Christ for about 30 years now. My testimony is a little bit colorful, like maybe some of you in this place, but God in his amazing grace has really... Um, allowed me to really make a lifestyle transformation because of him. But there's one scripture that is in the Bible that we all absolutely esteem. And I'm going to go ahead and have us put that scripture up right away. And if we can, in honor of all mothers and with my daughters here that have honored me, I'd like us to all stand for the reading of the scriptures this morning. If we can all rise, please. This is called the Proverbs 31 woman. This woman is as virtuous as they come. And let's go ahead and take a peek into her life. Reading verse 10 of Proverbs 31, it says, A wife of noble character who can find. She's worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant's ships, bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night. She provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. Let's go on. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. She sees that her trading is profitable. And her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for her household, for all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes covering for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Let's continue. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes a seat amongst the elders of the land. Wow. Girls, thank you for coming up and sharing the platform with me and just honoring me. I love you. (laughs) I laugh when I read that because I think, wow, who in the world is like that woman? We all want to be that woman. She is amazing. She's superwoman. And in the body of Christ, we try to encourage one another to become this woman who we all esteem so much. But there are other women that are mentioned in the Bible that actually are not like this woman. And I want to identify with her a little bit this morning. Let's go ahead, if we can, and bring up the very first scripture It says, charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be prayed. That's actually the rest of this. um, Honor her for all that her hands have done and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. That's great. Let's move right on. We love her. On a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she straightened up and praised God. Indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue leader said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered him, You hypocrites, doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie your ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water? Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? When he said this, all of his opponents were humiliated, but the people were delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. This woman bound up for 18 years because of sin in her life. I don't know about you, but I think about some of us that may be here today and maybe even in my own testimony because of sin, because of lifestyle choices, drugs, addiction, sexual promiscuity, the things that we do, the things that we imagine ourselves to be, we're living those things out in our lives. And Jesus comes and has an encounter with this woman. And he heals this woman and the religious people are like, don't do that. Don't deliver. Don't heal. You've got to do it on a certain day. But Jesus wasn't like the religious people. Jesus saw an opportunity for somebody to know him and why he came. And the same for us. When we are out on the streets and we see people that are bound in addiction, we see people that look promiscuous. They don't look like us. They don't act like us. God is giving us opportunity men and women, to love them, to help them in their brokenness, to help them in their bondages so that they, too, can walk up straight. Let's go to another woman in the Bible. Okay. Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon when a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you the living water let's go to the next one the woman said to him sir give me this water so that i won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water again he told her go call your husband and come back i have no husband she replied and jesus said to her you're right when you say you have no husband the fact is you have had 5 husbands and the man you now have is not your husband But what you have just said is quite true. This is one of my favorite Bible stories. We call her the woman at the well. That woman at the well used to go out to draw her water at different times of the day than the, you know, the accepted women did. Because she walked in shame. She had a lot of guilt. She was known throughout town as... Maybe having five husbands. She was known. But this woman had an encounter with Jesus. Can we go on to the next? Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? They were using the question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and began to start to write on the ground with his finger. Continue. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The older ones first, until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Now go and leave your life of sin. We think about the Proverbs 31 woman. This woman, yes, she may have been a very righteous woman. She was esteemed by the people in her town. She was a hardworking woman. Her husband loved her. He even had a good reputation because of her. The kids would rise up and call her blessed. This woman was a very, very righteous woman. But we aren't born that way. We are made that way. We are transformed that way. One decision at a time. One life experience at a time. The one thing that I will tell you today is when you meet a man named Jesus, I'm not talking about a religion. I'm talking about a man. Every human that is in this room today, we are all following a man. We're all following somebody's teachings. There's not any one of us that is coming up with a bright idea. We're all following and deciding Who am I going to follow? These people that are uh, revealed here, these women, one stooped in sin, bent over. I mean, you think about the pressures of our life. If you look at your own life today and you think about the the things that you have to face, you think about the thousands of thoughts that go through your head every day. That would bend anybody forward. She was so pressured by life and making very, very bad decisions. But when she received a healing from the Lord, That transformed her that very day. When you look at the other woman, the woman that sat at the well, when Jesus told her, you have had all of these men in your life, he began to tell her her own story. Let me tell you, I don't know about your testimony, but in my testimony, that's exactly what happened to me. I was very much like that girl. And I met a man that was faithful enough At an unemployment office, to be honest with you, I was at an unemployment office, eight months pregnant with my baby, not married. He was just one of the men that I had been with. And my boyfriend um, was up there talking to the unemployment officer, and the guy was taking a long time. And I thought, man, what is going on with this guy? Is this guy trying to hit on my boyfriend? Because that's the way that I thought that he was trying to hit on my boyfriend. So I said, I'm going to go up there and kind of mess with him. So I go up there with my little pregnant self. And the guy looks at me, and I did not know, but this man was sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with my boyfriend. And he looks at me, and he goes, and you, miss, you want to know who? You want to know if God is real. And I had actually that morning cried out for the first time in my life, if God, you're real, you need to show up and prove it because you suck. I mean, that's how I, I said it. I was honest, and I'm not changed in the way that I communicate with God. I'm honorable, but I'm very, very transparent with Father. And so I said, you know, you got to, my life is horrible. I've got an eight-year-old daughter. I'm divorced. I've got a, you know, i got a, you got the, you know, you guys call it today baby mama thing. I'm, I am that one. Life is not good. You've got to do something. And he showed up that day when the man said, you want to know if Jesus is real. And that man literally began to tell me word for word what I had said in my bedroom that morning when it was just me in a popcorn ceiling. And this is what he said to me. Simply, you need Jesus in your heart. He didn't give me this five-fold sermon. Didn't tell me how I had to get Jesus in my heart. He simply said, you need Jesus in your heart. I turned my head away from that man's face, and I heard God's voice for the first time in my life. And he simply said to me, Zena, quit running from me and run to me. That was 30 years ago, and from that day forward, I have been running towards this man named Jesus. Let's go to the next one. This Bible story I absolutely love. I mean, this one hits the nail on the head. This is about a guy who was a prophet. I mean, we're talking a godly man. And God tells this prophet, hey, I want you to go and marry a whore. I want you to go marry like a hooker. (laughs) think about us in our righteousness. Can you imagine that? We're righteous people. And God says, hey, I want you to go and marry a harlot. Father, death doesn't even line up with how I think you would think. But he yielded to God. And he went and married a woman. And this woman was so rebellious. She was so out of control. She lusted in every way imaginable. So in the duration of the marriage, she went out and still was doing her thing. But this man ultimately came back to this woman after she went and just her life was thrashed. And I want to just talk with you about this. It says, the Lord said to me, go show your love to your wife again. Though she is loved by another man and is an adulteress, love her as the Lord loves the Israelites, though they turn to other gods and love the sacred raisin cakes. So I bought her for 15 shekels of silver and about a homer and a lethic of barley. Then I told her, you are to live with me many days. You must not be a prostitute or or be intimate with any man, and I will behave the same way towards you. When I first married my godly husband, I was new Christian, but my mind was not. (laughs) It was very new, and I still thought very much like this harlot woman. And like this prophet, my husband, at times, set me down. He's like, you're not going out. You're not doing this. You're doing this. And I would try to kick and fight and be rebellious and stand up against him. But by God's grace and by his love and patience, I began to sanctify my life. When we look at this message here about this Proverbs 31 woman, she wasn't born that way. It didn't happen overnight. And I don't know where you are on your road with Christ. I don't know about the way that you see your life, how you see yourself. I'm speaking to men and women, but us ladies primarily, are we looking at ourselves through the eyes of the world? Are we trying to intimidate and imitate the things that the world has to offer us, the fashion, trying to be in the right place at the right time, trying to have all the material possessions that we can have, not thinking about the relationships that are so close um, to our lives that really matter the most, fighting in our homes, being frustrated with our marriages, being frustrated with our relationships, being frustrated with our work, being frustrated with God. We do that. But in the midst of that, God is faithful. And when God used this particular um, story in the Bible, what he was saying is no matter how bad you are, no matter how you see yourself, no matter how loose you may have lived your life apart from my will, I brought Christ, I gave Christ to redeem you to pay for you, to cover you, to hide every bit of your shame, to take care of all of your sin. It was done once and for all. Because one of the things that we are having problems with, men and women, is we have problems with what God actually says about us. In the book of Hebrews, I love the book of Hebrews, too, because the book of Hebrews really kind of gives the full gospel message from the beginning of time to the very end. And one of the things that it talks about is it says, when Christ went to the cross, when he shed that blood on the cross at Calvary, that blood literally took away every sin that you have, will, or currently are are, are doing. When I think about that, when I think, God, you gave your blood for me. You gave your life for me. I will tell you this. It humbles me, and I don't want to sin. People say, oh, you know, Christians, you're not sinless. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's fair enough. But I'll tell you this. As a Christian, I sin less. The more I know Jesus, the more I am like him. Because he says, take on, which means put it on. Take on the mind of Christ. I hear people say this all the time. Oh, I'm not perfect. I will tell you, I never say that. You know what I say? I say I am perfect. Because also in the book of Hebrews, the Bible says this. It says, Christ has made us perfect in him, those who are being made holy. So look at me, guys, ladies, girls, elders. I am perfect. How does it look? And when I look at you, if I don't see perfection, I've got a problem. It's not with you. It's with my father. If I don't treat you with honor and respect and perfection, it's not you. I'm sorry. It's me. Yesterday when I spoke to the woman, I said, hey, there's this thing that we do, girls. We go like this. As soon as we see each other, we go. (sighs) We do an assessment. And we decide how I'm going to know you. I decide how I'm going to treat you. I decide if I'm going to let you be nice to me or not be nice to me. We do it. Now, I say this is a God-given thing because if I was walking down the street and, you know, Pastor, you look pretty cool, but if I saw you walking down the street, you had like a hoodie on or something like that, and you're walking behind me, I'd go, bloop, 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 and I would decide whether I'm going to let him in my private space or not because he might be a bad guy, right? So that's to me, is a God-given self-protective mechanism. But we do it to protect ourselves in an ungodly way. We're actually creating a wall. God wants us to not have those self-protective mechanisms. He wants us as close as can be. Where are we standing with how God sees me? The only reason that I'm not the prosperous or the, the Proverbs 31 woman is because I disagree with the gospel. Christ already laid the gospel out. He says, Zena, do you know the very thoughts that I have are you? Um, The very thoughts that I have are you is to give you a life filled with hope and a future. Do you know that you're the apple of my eye? Do you know that every single thing that I do, I do for your goodness and for my glory? Do you know that you really are not a sinner? You are a saint. You are an ambassador. You are my handmaiden. See, these are the things when I was this unsanctified new believer these are the things that the holy spirit i love holy spirit he's my best friend he talks to me at times when i tell him that i tell him like when i first got saved i used to tell him to shut up because he would come in and just convict me which means convince me he was trying to convince me that that's not who you are this is who you are and i was fighting and i was like but i like that girl and he's like, yeah, but that girl leads to death. She's, she's this. And he would show me who she was. And he says, but this is who you are. And I learned one day at a time, one week at a time, one month at a time, one year at a time, one decade at a time, three decades now to run after that girl. Because you know what? She is beautiful. She wears a garland around her head and a sash around her neck because she cries out in the streets and she says, I am wisdom. Who will follow after me? She, to me, is a supermodel, and I have have strived in my life to be that lady. The only reason we are not that girl today is because we do not believe Jesus. But if we will allow ourselves, if we'll open up our heart and be honest with the way that we see ourselves, and we debate, and we wrestle, and we lay out and confess to God, He will allow us to take on that person. He's given it to us already with the blood of Christ. Because one of the things that we are struggling with today, why we do not walk in absolute perfection, which we already are, is because we are struggling with the things of this world. And the Lord says to us, if you'll confess to me, confess your sins, I'll purify you from every unrighteous thought. He just wants us to talk to him. That's all it is. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but when my kids come and tell me things that they have done wrong or whatever, I'm, like, grateful. I'm, like, thank you. Thank you for being honest. And they have. They've shared some, you know, unrighteous things with me, and I am so grateful that they feel safe. I feel safe with God. He shows up when nobody else does. So I'm really glad. But the thing that we're really wrestling with is our carnality. We're wrestling with this flesh that we live in today. And what God sees us as is he says, take off the masks, take off the veils. He says, strip off the things that you're wrestling with. Strip off your carnality, trying to put on the things of this world. And I will clothe you with my righteousness. I will adorn you with my beauty. My beauty comes from the inside out. And I'm telling you today, every time you guys show up in this place and you hear a message and you receive from God and you drop your tears on these floors, you come up to the altars and you confess and you be honest and you worship God, don't matter how people are around you. It doesn't matter. You're coming here for an audience of one when you show up on Sunday mornings because this pastor who covered me today is set apart to teach you, to help you, to go through life with you, for you to also do the same for him. Because we are stripping ourselves away from this world, but we are adorning adorning ourselves, and we literally are taking on the righteousness of Christ. I actually want to clarify that. It's actually the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So I just want to encourage you all this morning on this beautiful Mother's Day, That if you are struggling in your life and you are wrestling with your self-image, you're struggling with sin in your life, however we identify. I love the Holy Spirit because I can say one thing, but I know he's talking. He's speaking to you in your own personal way. Whatever it is for you today, just know that these altars are available 24-7 for a man or woman or child that enters into the house. These pastors, those that are what we call spiritually mature, they're there for you so that we can help you to grow, to look just like that haughty, the Proverbs 31 lady. God bless you all this morning. I'm happy to be able to be with you.
0: Thank you, you, Zena. So good, right? And, you know, um, I think that message really speaks to men or women. Because as much as you are, as, as much as that scripture sticks out and specifically speaks to a woman, a man is dealing with so much of the same thing. We're dealing with so many struggles and temptations and uh, got to be, got to look, got to have. I am so glad that the dad bod came in. cool was that i think that was god breathed that was somebody who was maybe really fit at one time and had a really high platform got saved and the lord said dad bod start saying that and everybody just said yes here i am in my fullness dad bod now if you're not a dad you can't claim that all right but it's just so true, guys. We, we are constantly bombarded by so many things trying to come at us and trying to challenge us and, and trying to speak to something that we're not. We've had three messages now in the last three weeks from three different people that did not talk, did not speak, did not, we didn't put them in a room and say, well, I'm going to say this, you're going to say this, and I'm going to say this, and we're kind of all going to talk about the same thing. But they all talked about the same thing. That's how much God loves us. That's how much he knows where you're at. That's how much he knows what's going on and how present he is today. He doesn't miss you. He knows you. He knows what you're struggling with. He knows what you need. And as we said last week and the week before, we need to start owning our identity in him. Not who you once were, but who you are today. You're blood bought. You're his kid. You have access to the father. Zena said something, and my wife and I really try to, try to practice this at, at our home and, and, and really appreciate it and want to keep as long as we can to open this door that our kids would feel safe to come talk to us no matter what they've done, no matter where they're at, that we would be the first phone call that we get, that we would be the first people that say, I need help, and we'd come get them. As well as that picture is, is that the first phone call you're making when you're in trouble today? Are you calling the Father? Is that who you're running to? Are you running into some vices? Are you running into some other things? Are you, are you hiding in the closet? Or are you allowing yourself to make that call to the Father and say, help me. Help me understand who I am. And I promise you guys, when you do that, he will. He'll show up. He'll be right in front of you. He'll be the one who can save you. He'll be the one who can transform you. He'll be the one that changes everything. But you've got to be willing to make that call. You've got to be willing to walk into his presence and say, here I am. And this, is what, and this is where I'm at, and I know you're the only one that can change that. So for the last several weeks, can I have the band come up? For the last um, several weeks... We've had an opportunity to just to literally come to the altar, and I want to give that same moment today. We're going to have some people up here who want to pray with you and pray for you. Um, and if I could have Joseph, there's no Kelly this morning, right? Could have Joseph come up. Um, both of the Zwarz, uh, yes, yes, them. Matt and Sarah, could I have you guys come up here, please? Uh, Bobby, no. Yeah, okay, Bob. And can I have you come up, Shannon, please? And Wes, please. Okay. Uh, Oh, and Zena and Doc. Sorry. You guys get to pray today. You guys are ministering. Zach, Doc, you thought you were going to get out of. Come on, no, uh uh. Not today. There's going to be some people up here. who I know, know who they are. And I know that they know who Jesus is. They know who the Father is. And they want to contend with that for you to find that Dean, please. Or would you like to sit there and have people come to you, either one? But I want you to make an opportunity. I want you to have an opportunity this morning to take a step forward, guys. this is something that you're dealing with, if it's something that you're struggling with, who you are in Christ, recognizing that you're a son or a daughter, or if you're still wound up in who you once were and what you once thought, this is the moment that you want to come to the altar and say, God, who am I? Show me who I am. Help me to live to anything stop you. Don't let your mind, don't let your your whatever it is that's telling you, I don't want people to see me cry, to see me bleed, to see me hurt. Get that out of your head. You're coming to the Father. You're coming to be loved on this morning. So Lord, that's what we do. We humble ourselves right now. We pause We pause right now. We pause everything else, Lord, and we want you. We focus on you. So I pray, Lord, what you've been speaking, what you've been encouraging, what you've been nudging over this last hour, Lord, that it would begin to sink in, that it would begin to move people, to transform people. That they would come to the knowledge of the Father this morning. So Lord, continue to speak. Continue to use your kids to speak with you. To speak with you, Lord. Would there be courage in this room this morning? Would there be courage in this room?